Let us pray. God, we thank you for this day, for the things that we come together and to celebrate, for this word, for this letter inspired by you to the people at Galatia. As we continue our journey, Lord, may you speak into our hearts, minds, and lives that which you have for us today. May my words be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So kind of to review, we are in Galatians chapter 3 this week. Hopefully you've had a chance to read the passage and perhaps the whole chapter. And this is kind of the halfway point as we journey through the rest of Galatians and then uh, prepare for and, and enter the season of Advent. And in Galatians 1, I shared with you the, the message of that chapter of the one gospel message of grace. Reminding you that there is one gospel message, but the particular problem in Galatia was that these new followers of Jesus were being distracted, particularly by two groups, the Judaizers who were telling them it was about the rigid obedience of the law. And then, of course, these other folks were saying, well, you have grace in Jesus Christ. You are free to do whatever you want. And, of course, neither of these are consistent with that gospel message. And then last week in chapter 2, we looked at this issue of faith versus works. It happened to fall on Reformation weekend, uh, an unintentional plan on my part, but a, a good fit for that day as we are reminded of, of the message of reform in our lives for the church, that it's not our works that justify us, it is God's grace. And you see both these groups, but in different ways, were focused on works and were focused on the law. And now we come to chapter 3. It is really a message on our identity. And this chapter, again, unintentionally planned, the, the, has come at a perfect time as we hear this message about children of God. As we come this weekend, as I was thinking about this, in the past uh, nine days I've had three funerals. And as this was all unfolding and I was studying and, and reading this scripture, and thinking about All Saints Sunday, this time where we gather to remember the saints who've gone before us. And then as well, having a baptism, it was a perfect coming together, as you'll see as I'll attempt to share in this, in this message today. It's a perfect coming together of a, a reminder of our identity, both in the beginning and the end and throughout our whole lives. And so Paul starts in verses 21 and 22, again, with a bit of a, a reminder of this message about the law, that it's not the law that justifies us. The law is important, but it doesn't define us. It doesn't determine our salvation. It's not what leads to transformation in Jesus Christ. It's trust that does that. And he reminds us of this message of faith. You see, Paul was a good preacher. You will see throughout this book and even in chapters, he repeats himself over and over again. Sometimes with different words, sometimes with the same words. But we easily forget this message. And that's why Paul has to remind us over and over again that it's not about the law. It's not about our works. It's our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel message of grace. And so it continues here in verses 23 through 25. It's a very interesting way of reminding us again of this same argument that 
The law was our guide, was our custodian, of course, referring primarily to the Old Testament law, that the observance, the rigid observance of that was our way to know and experience our salvation. And so he reminds the folks that using this language of custodian, that you are a custodian of the law, that the law was your guide until Jesus Christ came. Then it became about this issue of faith. It's a reminder of this gospel message of grace. But this language of custodian is interesting to me. And I got to thinking about this a little bit this week, actually quite a bit. I got to thinking about the language of custodian because really the message here in this passage is that we are children of God. And I'll get into that more in a minute. But more importantly, we are adopted children of God. And so I began to think about friends and and family and other folks who have experienced different things, those who have gone through adoption and experienced that. And I think about those who I know and love who have embraced and been a part of foster care. And for those friends who have experienced this, those who have been a part of foster care that perhaps led to adoption, there's a very different, a distinct difference between being a custodian and a guardian as opposed to adopting someone. And as I have listened to friends talk about that experience, I've been transformed by that. You see, you can be a custodian or a guardian of many things, a custodian or guardian of someone's estate or their property or a specific need or issue, maybe their health care. Some of you have experienced that with loved ones. But this idea that the law was our custodian and instead now we are the adopted children of God is a powerful message. I mean, I think I think even of my own adopted pets, those we've rescued, those that we've chosen. And then I got to thinking about my own children. As I said last week, is, you know, I am, of course, their father by law, by our understanding of family systems, by our moral understanding, but it's my relationship that makes me their father, not all those pieces. Then I got to be reminded of something very important that I often forget as a father. You see, in reality, as the father to Micah and Abby, I'm their custodian and their guardian. You see, Micah and Abby, like us all, they belong not to me, but to God. And that's good news and bad news, right? It's, it's a challenge to think about that as we think about our own children and letting go and letting go of control and, and perhaps maybe trusting God with our children is harder than trusting God with anything else in our own life. But boy, that's great news. <laughs> because I know that I cannot, in the midst of my imperfection and my best attempts as a parent, that I cannot raise my children on my own in the way that I would wish and hope without the help of God. And so I'm thankful for this reminder that my children belong to God. That like me and like each one of you, they are God's adopted children. See, it's not the law that is our guardian. It's Jesus Christ. And it's simply through faith, through trusting 
in Jesus Christ that we become adopted children of God. In fact, it's in baptism that we embrace, that we accept, that we grab a hold of that identity as adopted children of God. And so Paul continues here in verses 26, 26 through 29, 26 and 27. These two verses, and I'll have you look along with me, these two verses really are the thrust of this passage. There are lots of important things said in this passage and certainly in this chapter, but as you look at this, these two verses are the focus. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. Now, I think we know this. I think that we understand that we are each God's children, that it's because of God that we exist, that God has created us. I think we can all kind of embrace this, but it's very different, very different thing to know it and to really live and experience it. Those are two very different things. Think about what it means to be an adopted child of God. God doesn't just love you, as if that were not enough, because I think it is. God has chosen you. God has adopted you. In the midst of my imperfections, in, the, in spite of my personality, God has chosen me. God has intentionally chosen me to be his child. Not out of obligation, not out of guilt, but out of delight. Again, I think of my best friend and his wife going through this foster care process as they serve currently as custodians and guardians and hope someday to choose this child as their own. You know, there's this passage that appears in Jesus' baptism, this phrase, and it appears more than once in the scripture. And here we hear God from heaven making a commentary on Jesus. And this is what it says. This is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. It's an important statement. But you know, it's actually not just a statement about Jesus. It's a statement about us as well. That is, adopted children of God. Those who find our identity first in him. We are his beloved. To be loved. <laughs> Chosen. And God doesn't just love us and then put up with us. That God actually likes you. And that God, in the midst of everything that's happening in each of our lives, is well pleased with you. That the God of the universe, our Abba, our Heavenly Father, the one who created it all, the one who creates the very air that we breathe, has chosen and adopted us. And that God is fond of us. Did you know that? That the God of the universe is fond of you? I think of the many people in my life, many of them not family, older folks in my life at different seasons of my life who loved and accepted me and took me in as their child in many ways, made that choice. And, I, and, and often when I hear this word, I, 
I, my mind immediately goes to images of their faces, of these two or three faces of these folks who have been fond of me, which was a big deal because I was a pretty ornery child, if you can believe that. <laughs> the God of the universe is fond of us. We're simply invited to trust. It's that simple. We are invited to trust. But we're also invited to have this faith like a child. It didn't strike me until last night during the reading of the scriptures, this passage in Matthew that goes along with this chapter in the lectionary. Those are strong words. Strong words in Matthew about how Jesus feels about children. In fact, the only time we see Jesus use strong language towards his disciples is when they're pushing the little children away from him. That's how fond of us Jesus is. And we're called in the scripture to take on that posture, that faith like a child, that purity, that innocence, that recognition of that unconditional love, and perhaps most importantly, that trust. That our first identity, my first identity, is not Marcus or Pastor Marcus or Jessica's husband or Micah or Abby's father or this or that. That my most important identity, that my first identity is child of God. I know that. But oftentimes to remember it in a way that it changes me, I lose sight of that. And that's why I'm thankful for passages like this. That's why I'm thankful for the times that we gather for baptism to be reminded that we are a child of God. That's why in so many ways, in the midst of the pain and the grief, I'm thankful for our times to gather in memorial services and funerals for those that we've lost. And as we celebrate some lives today, that, that always serves as a reminder to me that we are a child of God. That that's the most important relationship there is. That it's a major transformation. And this passage goes on to talk about, in verse 7, 27, I'm sorry, that you have clothed yourselves with Christ. You've heard this phrase, I've talked about this phrase, to put on Christ, to clothe yourself with Christ, to make Christ your everything. This is an important phrase that Paul uses because it's a change in our spiritual relationship with the God of the universe. It's not just a notion. In fact, did you know that there's actually a reason for these robes and the reason they're white? It's not just in case the pastor doesn't dress well or in case they get too cold in the sanctuary. That's not going to happen in this one. <laughs> it's not because of some formality, although there's some to it, that it's meant to help us put off some of our humanness and to literally put on Christ. That each day we're supposed to wake up as a child of God, as that being our primary identity, and to clothe ourselves with Christ. We are the adopted children of God. The God of the universe has chosen each one of you. Monday, as we were at Jessica's grandmother's service in Canada, I, you know, I was paying attention and to everything that was happening around me. It's a good distraction for me. And, 
and uh, I like people watching. And I got to meet a lot of different people. And you see, Grandma's family was unique. She, she had uh, two children of her own. And then she married Jessica's grandfather after, you know, he had lost his wife. And so they, he had four children. And so there's a mix there, of course. But then there were all these other children. You know, these nieces and nephews, these neighborhood kids that had become grandma's adopted children. And as they talked and as they shared and as they were there, there was really no difference to them or, quite frankly, from my own knowledge and experience, to grandma. It wasn't son, stepson, nephew who's like a son. You know, and, and what I saw in the room as we gathered together were all of these actual and adopted children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren of grandma. And that struck me as I was sharing because that perhaps is why this loss was difficult for me. Not just because grandma was a great person, a, a saint of the church, all true, but because I was one of those adopted grandchildren. To be chosen... You see, we are the adopted children of God. It's a new relationship. It's not just a nice idea that can comfort us and make us feel good. It is to change our very lives, especially spiritually. That this message that we are children of God, that we are in Christ, that we are clothed with Christ, should be the essence of all of our understanding of the Christian faith, of all of our experience as children of God. It should be the essence of our proclamation that everything we say and do, whether, whether here in church or, or at the store or with strangers or with neighbors, and not necessarily just overtly, but certainly intentionally, is to help everyone recognize that they are a beloved child of God, adopted child of God. What a great identity. What great news that our identity doesn't have to be wrapped up in the name that we were given, the good and bad parts of our family, our successes, our failures, our occupation, our age, our health, our race, our religion. That that's not our identity. That we are all the same and united and one in Christ, as this passage reminds us. That it's not about those things. That it's about being a child of God. And if I were honest, if somebody were to ask my name, it wouldn't be, you know, what most people would see, you know, on a birth certificate, but it would be Marcus, child of God. It's an important reminder as we gather here today that we are dearly loved children that the God of the universe is fond of. And that's actually one of the reasons we come to this table each week. Not out of habit or out of ritual. Certainly because Christ said, every time you gather, do this in remembrance of me. But to be reminded, not just of who we are, but whose we are. That we come and we receive the bread and the wine. And we're reminded after perhaps a long week of forgetting who we are, and reminded in this moment that we are a child of God. That this God of the universe loves us enough that he would send his only child to come and show us how to live, to point us to the way to life, and then die so that we could be adopted children of God. No longer custodians of the law, but belonging to the God of the universe 
who is deeply and madly in love with us and quite fond of us, in fact. What an identity. There is no better identity in all the universe. And all we're invited to do is simply to trust, to have faith. The greatest news ever. You belong to the one who made it all. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who made it possible to observe the beauty of the fall colors, the one who gave us the opportunity to come here and worship together, the one who takes us and makes us his own in death and embraces us in our baptism, the God of the universe has chosen and adopted you. What better news could there be? May we all know that identity as our primary identity, trust that identity, and seek to take all that we have and all that we are to trust that God of the universe who has chosen us as his own. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this reminder of our identity in you. And Lord, I pray that in the moments that we forget of who we are, of whose we are, that you would remind us that we would find our identity and trust in life in you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.